we're all using solutions that use AI and ML to deliver personalization today. Leader companies have demonstrated very, very significant lift in revenue and market share by adopting personalization strategies early on. What does it mean? It means understanding your user, recommending them things that they're interested in, and then it means connecting them to other things that they may be interested in or related. And that's standard across every industry. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin and Hartford LLP. I'm your host, Steve McAllister. Man, oh man, we have a crowded house of guests on today's show, but that's uh, that's, that's great news. Amanda Brewer is going to join us later in the hour, as will Nick Salsky, the Chief Commercial Officer for Points Back Canada. Regular contributor Chris Abbott, as always, is, is with us. But first, it seems you can't read a newspaper, visit a website, open a newsletter, or watch the news these days without hearing the words artificial intelligence. So, when we met the founder and president of Epoxy, dot ai at the global gaming expo earlier this month we needed to get him on the show and here he is today nice to be on the show the first question i have to ask you i, I love i love the name of uh the company your your latest uh your latest startup uh, how did you come up with the epoxy name yeah i mean uh, uh, the initial vision of the business and, and really it's it's sort of coming to fruition today was was to connect things and make them sticky right and with personalization um, you're bringing multiple data elements together to create a more sticky solution. And so uh, that, that's the genesis of the name. Hey, Jason, you, you have your own kind of long and, and winding road uh, in the sports industry, as, as do many of us that, uh, that, that speak on this uh, LinkedIn audio forum every, every week. And uh, in your case, that, that story includes uh, a connection with TSN as well. That's right. That's right. Um, we actually, TSN and Rogers, um, back starting in 2012, we had a business that was in um, the, the, the business of developing personalized fan engagement um, solutions. So uh, with, with both Rogers and TSN, we built out these personalized game centers, which became very, very popular. Um, and, and so popular, they got uh, distributed across the U.S. and almost every major media platform, TV platform, eventually that company got bought by Comcast in 2016. Right. And then, and what, uh, you know, was there, was there a conversation or, or what, what motivated you to start Epoxy? So I, I think that's a great question. You know, it's, it's really just using our expertise and leveraging our expertise in this area. So, you know, uh, one to see was a business that was focused on delivering personalized fan engagement, right? At Comcast, we, we, we really were, were focused on building out a personalized sports destination, right? Which is still there today. And it's the foundation for Sky, NBC, and Xfinity TV. Um, and, and we looked at the gaming industry and said, you know, there's just a huge opportunity to apply that knowledge to an industry that um, really is kind of still in its early phases of adopting AI and personalization. And, and that's, that's the logic. We saw a huge opportunity to serve this space, and that's what we're doing. Hey, Jason, you, you and I talked a little bit about this on the exhibit floor at the G2E a few weeks ago, but um, and, and we wrote about it in the newsletter as well when we got back from Las Vegas. And that's, you know, it seems every time I go to a conference, I, I hear personalization a lot. And and it's a little bit like artificial intelligence, too, where it's it's a word that gets... Uh, I don't want to say t tossed around because that that's not uh, that's not the case. It's not like it's being thrown around willy nilly. But 
you know, for you and, and what you guys are doing at Epoxy, what what does personalization mean, and and what is the opportunity in in, in the sports betting industry? Yeah, I mean, I think it's two sides. Uh, you know, the opportunity. Um, what is an opportunity for somebody who adopts it, right? And what does it mean? So let's start there. I, I think in, it, in its simplest form, it, it, it's it's part of everybody's life today, right? You know, the majority of digital products and even some of the things like retail um, offerings, right? Net, uh, people like Nike offering customizable shoes, right? We're all using solutions that use AI and ML to deliver personalization today, right? And and leader companies have demonstrated very very significant lift in revenue and uh, and market share by adopting personalization strategies early on. What does it mean? It means understanding your user. It means recommending to them things that they're interested in, and then it means connecting them to other things that they may be interested in or related. And that's standard across every industry. Uh, I read, uh, I guess one of, the, one of the things that motivated me to get you on this week, Jason, was I, uh, I read your interview with uh, Aaron Marie Gallagher on, on mm -hmm. SBC last week. And, and part of that article is dedicated to, to iGaming. And, and again, right. it's the one thing we really see when we go to these conferences in the US now, there, there are obviously panel discussions happening uh, we hear from the lobbyists and advocates out there to to bring more regulated eye gaming across U.S. states, and uh, you know even when when we get get Nick Solsky on here a little bit later, uh, Points Bet Canada just hired its first head of casino uh, this week. So obviously, eye gaming is a very important piece of the puzzle. We saw that with the latest uh, market performance report from uh, from Eye Gaming Ontario. And I think, as you point out in the in the article with uh, with uh, Aaron Aaron Marie, uh, that you know online casino and sports betting they they are intertwined to some extent. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a basically the same principles there as well. Um, you know, it is not uncommon for people who bet on sports book to also bet on iCasino. Um, and in iCasino, you have an opportunity to present the user with. Um, you know, just like when you're in Netflix or just like when you're in YouTube TV, right? Um, content that they're interested in, content that is popular. And we see a huge opportunity there as well. And I think, you know, more uh, additionally, you know, if you can tie together for a gaming operator that is supporting both iCasino and Sportsbook, the behaviors of both to really get that full 360 degree view of the user that can be extremely valuable across the board. Jason, you talked about some of the, the work that you're doing for clients right now. And I'm, I'm also interested too, like where it just feels, and you, again, you touch on this in the article that we, we really are in the early stages of this industry. Um, and, and, Again, trying to figure out the way artificial intelligence can can enhance and, and help those those companies. But are, are there any anything in particular that gets you excited about the possibilities around AI? I mean, I, I guess I'm an AI geek, um, and so almost everything gets me excited around AI. <laughs> but really, it just goes back to the, the the fundamentals of building better products, right? Um, and, and, you know, philosophically throughout my career, um, it has been, you know, uh, you know, the best practices that I think you can apply to an industry is just to build the best product to create differentiation. 
And AI and ML help you do that, right? They help make life easier. They help make the consumer happier and, and make things simpler. And that then results in a more satisfied customer and, you know, retention, um, higher CLV, all of the above. Hey, we have, uh, we have Jason for a few more minutes. So I'll just uh, let the audience know if you have a question or comment for him, please, uh, please let us know. And we'll, we'll give you a chance to, uh, to, to ask or, or give that comment before we uh, lose Jason. Uh, you know, the other thing of interest to me, Jason, in that SBC article as well, is you talking about the importance of platforms. And, and again, we, we do hear from people in the industry that, that product is king. And again, with your, your background, you've had, you know, you've been privy to different kinds of, of platforms and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of like people like Mike Day and myself, we've, we've seen the media industry evolve and the sports media industry evolve. And, and, but at the end of the day, it, it does, it really does come down to, to having good product, right? That's right. And I think, you know, and that's, that's, and, and that's one of the things that really we focus on. And when we think of a platform, you know, how do we serve the entire industry, right? And, you know, you've got tier one operators that have some of this capability in-house, but we can help them accelerate their roadmaps. You have some tier twos and tier threes, even lower, that may or may not have this capability at all, but they should still have the ability to benefit. And that's where we come in, which is, you know, providing more plug and play personalization so that everybody can sort of take advantage of, of AI and ML to improve that user experience. Hey, Jason, I just, I want to go back to the personalization piece for a second, because I just, uh, while you're talking, it reminded me, uh, you know, Mike Day and I were involved in a, in a project with, uh, with the Global Mail and, and TSN and, and Bell uh, back in around, uh, I think, Mike, two, 2000, 2001, just after I joined the Global Mail. And, you know, back then we were looking at having a, a subscription-based website that was, you know, the personalization was being able to get content on your on your favorite Canadian hockey team. So if you were living in Vancouver and you were a Canucks fan, you you would get stories on the Canucks and have access to stats and schedules and and that kind of stuff. And that I would say that was probably the first time I'd heard personalization used. Just what you know, what what is uh, what is is the sky kind of the limit with personalization, or what what does personalization look like to you? Especially now that sports sports betting is uh, is legal and operating in regulated environments across the world. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I I think it starts with at its simplest form, you know, putting the content that you're interested in, in front of you, right? At you know where you are, when you are, right? But what we're seeing is is that you know there's kind of a an overall sort of entertainment experience behind this, right? You know, gaming is just another form of entertainment. And you're seeing larger leader companies become more vertically integrated, right? You know, you've got fanatics selling merchandise, right? You've got, you know, companies like FanDuel and DraftKings getting into the content business, the score in Canada, right? Obviously media first. And so what we think of personalization is really something that ties a wide variety of behaviors together and again, allows you to connect them all. So I'm not just getting the bet that I'm interested in, but if I'm also interested in a piece of content about that offer, right, I can get that. If there's a particular jersey that's associated with that, a commerce element, an NFT. So it's really about creating a broader ecosystem, right? 
Probably the best analogy would be to think of this industry um, as where Amazon was when they were just selling books. But look at them now, right? And where have they gotten with personalization? Well, they've connected all the dots in these things using big data and AI. Yeah, that's great uh, stuff, Jason. Uh, not surprisingly, I, I believe that Nick Salsky has a, a question and or comment. Nick. Oh, hey, hey, Steve and, and Jason. It's really interesting hearing hearing you uh, hearing you you know talk a bit. I actually candidly didn't have a question for the first time in my life. I was just listening and I raised my hand to come up on stage, man. So, um, you know, I I think the only thing I will add. Um, is you know in in you know in the great province of Ontario, we're not allowed as an operator to talk about inducements and promotions and bonusing, but we all know that happens within the industry. And I think that the other piece to the AI puzzle that I think a lot of operators are pretty excited about is being able to serve up the right type of bonus and the right type of promotion to the customer at the right time, because ultimately the kind of spray and pray technique just doesn't work. Right. So I think that Jason's 100 percent right when it comes to content and it comes to product and it comes to showing a user the market that they want, that you have a historical that you have historical data that shows you that a specific user likes to bet on a specific market during a specific game situation, being able to feed that into a user interface um, to engage that customer in real time is where I think the entire industry is going. And I think it it doesn't stop at content and markets. It goes all the way be deep into your CRM, deep into your promotion engine. And, you know, I think that we're just at the beginning of all of this. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Hey, Jason, last, last question before we let you go. What, what are the opportunities for epoxy AI here, here in, uh, in Canada? I mean, I think, look, we're, we're, we're just getting started there with North Star. Um, and, you know, that's been a great, a great place to start. And we're really, really happy to have them as partners. But, you know, we, we see Canada as just a burgeoning market that, um, you know, is, is, um, is a great opportunity for us to grow. So we think just like everywhere else in the world and all the talk that's going on around personalization, um, you know, we can serve the Canadian market um, to, to, to help grow it. So, you know, we're, we're open for business. <laughs> well, very well put. Jason Angelitis is the founder and president of Epoxy AI. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for joining us on the Gaming News Canada show. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back on again soon. And thank you uh, again, really appreciate you uh, joining us from Philadelphia today. Okay. Take care. Nice speaking to all of you. Bye-bye. That's the great stuff from from Jason and Nick. Thanks for your comment, and let's let's segue right to you. As, as if you had a chance to read the newsletter this morning, um, quite a quite a week for for Points Bet Canada, and um, uh, you know the comments from uh, Nick, your CEO Sam Swinell, uh yesterday when presenting the uh, latest quarterly results about uh, you know looking at profitability for Points Bet Canada in, in 2025. And then, um, you know, before you and I had an exchange, yes, a DM exchange on, uh, on X yesterday, uh, seeing the, uh, the post from Brooke Hilton on, on LinkedIn that Brooke has joined, uh, joined the company as, uh, as head of casino and, and your first head of casino. But maybe to start, uh, Nick, if, I don't know how much you can say about the, the latest quarterly results, but, but certainly, uh, certainly Sam's comments. I, I would think it's been, a, it's been a good week for the staff at your place. Uh, thanks, Steve. I, I mean, I think it's been a uh, it's been a good week. It's been a great. I mean, it's been a great quarter. It's been a great month. And I and I will say before we jump in, uh, just a question because I missed the beginning of the uh, uh, of the show. Knowing that Jason was in Philadelphia, 
Um, did you did you um, congratulate him um, on how far his Phillies went and the unfortunate loss of the Diamondbacks? Or, or were you a good Canadian or or did we throw some shade at him for uh, for for losing game seven the way that the Phillies did? Yeah, Nick, as you as you know, this is this is a very friendly form. So, uh, you know, and and uh, we we do like to uh, we look at Philadelphia as a city of brotherly love. So we we took the high road on that one. Well, there you go, Steve. You are you are a better man. You are a better man than I. Clearly, um, no. I mean, it's been it, it's been a. I mean, it's been a great month. I mean, it's been a great. You know, it's been a great time at Points Bet lately. I mean, I think that you know, um, from what our 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 numbers have shown recently, uh, you know, especially as football season started uh, now with NHL and NBA uh, in 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 full uh, in full speed. Um, you know, our thesis all along was really about, you know, taking a best in class product, building, trying to build, uh, you know, a relevant brand that had a, an authentic local sensibility. You know, we really de- desired to be known as kind of that scrappy challenger brand in the market. And, you know, the our thesis is it's gaining momentum and it's starting to work. And Ultimately, as as Sam kind of alluded to, to think that, you know, we would even be talking about being profitable less than two years. I mean, we're talking about it less than two years into our trajectory. We're not planning on being profitable until next year. But even just the idea of being effectively a gaming startup, being able to use that word is, I mean, it's it's really, really exciting. Um, you know, our product continues to really, you know, our to really shine. And I, we believe it's starting to pull away from the competition. And, you know, that's where, you know, from a marketing side, we've made a, we've made a pretty strong pivot um, uh, towards a product focused story, a product focused message. Um, the new collateral that we have in market is very much focused on product while building brand and, and, and growing our brand awareness is still, um, you know, paramount to our success. We believe now enough people within the great province of Ontario um, are aware of PointsBet. Um, and so now that people are aware of us, we can start really trumpeting what we think is, you know, a best best in class product. And, you know, especially with MBA, you know, tipping off, um, that's when our product really shines. You know, it's for us, you know, based on our in-play betting technology that we leverage through, um, you know, that we've talked about before on the on you know, on, on the show, you know, when it comes to lightning bets and live same game parlays and early cash outs, things like that, because we own and, and control our entire tech stack, it really allows us to service an NBA better like no other, like no other operator. So, you know, that's exciting. And then little things like, and I don't say little, but little things like, you know, two thirds of our bets right now are in play and one third are, are, are parlay. Now that's a pretty that's a pretty cool split. And that's a, that really shows us that, you know, the numbers are growing in the way that we want them to grow, even though our base is still candidly small, it's growing, you know, it's exciting. And, you know, to, to tangent into the, 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 uh, the, the news that excites me the most out of this week is, you know, casino has always been a compliment to our sports book, but now we're really looking at evolving and building that casino product you know, as as some of you may have noticed, you know we've we've pivoted away from um, Points Bet Canada, 
only you know from a from a from a external branding perspective because of how confident we're becoming around our sports book and obviously because of the divesture of our american business there was no real no need to be points bet canada because in north america there is just now points bet in canada so points bet sports book and casino is now what we're really pushing so being able to bring on brooke hilton to lead our casino business um man it 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 makes me really happy, but it also makes me really excited. We 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 got so many incredible applicants for the position, and um, you know Brooke rose to the you know rose to the top. I mean, she's incredible, and candidly, it's it's also really exciting to see uh, a strong female leader get a role in an opportunity like this. Um, you know, I I think um, from everything that I've I've read. And people that I've spoken to, I, I, I believe Brooke is the first female head of casino um, or Canadian head of casino um, for a regulated operator in Ontario. So that's a pretty exciting position to be um, as we try and lead not only from a, you know, a product perspective, but also from a, I would say, a healthy business evolution perspective based on kind of where we're at in, in you know, the DEI landscape and, and how we just believe in growing teams. So yeah, that was, there was a lot of words there. I apologize, Steve, but, uh, but, but Hey, you, you know, me, nothing, nothing like a caffeinated Nick Solsky on a, on a Thursday afternoon. Full, uh, full of eloquence, Nick, full of eloquence. Um, Hey, I want, I want to get back to Brooks hire in a second, but I, I, I also want to revisit the, the, your comments about in play, play betting. And, uh, while you were speaking, you know, it reminded me of those early days of, of, uh, the newsletter and, and writing in the Toronto star and, you know, having several conversations with Jay Croucher, the former head of trading at PointsBet, and, and uh, also listening to Jay at conferences talk about that in-play betting was going to be an X factor for, for PointsBet. And um, Chris Abbott might want to hop in here as well. But I just wonder, Nick, is that, you know, that in-play betting, is that um, in terms of demographics or the type of customers that you have is, is that in play betting? Does that reflect that you you do have a number of, of people who aren't maybe who aren't sharp sports betters or experienced sports betters, but there, you are getting customers, people like me, who just who you know en enjoy putting a few dollars on a game, and and uh, that in play betting is really attracted to, to those kinds of customers. I mean, I think at a core level, we engage in sports. We engage in sports gaming because we want to have fun, right? I love sports. I love the emotional connection I get while I'm watching my favorite teams, my favorite players play. I like just watching sports in general because there's always real emotion. Now, a lot of people find some of that emotion gets enhanced by putting a couple dollars down, right? Now, the thing that excites me the most about in-play is why some people like just to put down some money at the beginning of the game or, you know, build a parlay before the game, you know, for, for decades. And this is my entire career really has been built around the idea of a second screen companion. Now, you know, one could say now there's third screen, fourth screen, what have you. But ultimately, when you're thinking about a companion, the ultimate companion for watching sports, um, the idea of being able to bet live in real time without having suspensions, i.e., what's going to happen? How many baskets will be scored in the next minute? Right? That's that's an exciting market for somebody who's sitting on the couch or sitting in a bar and watching the game and they have their phone open, they're following their bets. And now all of a sudden, I can bet in real time on 
on, on hundreds of different markets that literally are being served up to a user in real time. Now, the biggest, one of the biggest challenges that many operators have and many users have when they're on competitors' products is live markets get suspended very frequently. Live markets get suspended because the traders, candidly, or the technology that they're relying on can't keep up with the interest of the better of the real-time uh, game situations. Now, because of Points Best proprietary technology, um, we are able to offer more live markets without suspensions, uh, you know, better, better than better than any other operator, especially in basketball, because basketball, everybody, most uh, there are a lot of operators that have very compelling NFL products. Um, there are a lot of operators that have very compelling MLB products. But the thing that separates the NBA from the NFL as an example is in the NFL, it's 30 seconds or, you know, 15 seconds and then stop. There's another right Fifth, or a drive, right? You're betting on drives. But in basketball, there is no set play clock, right? There's a shot clock, but but somebody can take a shot in 12 seconds or 23 seconds, right? There's no There's no steadfast rule. So to be able to have a technology to service the real time better, knowing that they're not going to get plagued by suspensions, which is a major issue for a lot of gamblers. I mean, that's 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 really exciting. And then from a casual better perspective, you want to be able to give them a seamless experience so it gets them more excited. You can convert them from a casual to more of a medium or, or a hardcore gambler. So, I mean, that's when, you know, it, it, getting into the weeds a bit on the technology, but that's what really excites us about our kind of our product and our market position as it relates to in-play, especially with basketball. Yeah, Chris, do you want to jump in? Yeah, if I could. I mean, I, I challenge the notion that in-play betting is uh, for more recreational bettors versus uh, sharp or experienced players. Um, Nick, Nick referenced a very important piece there, and that's the operator's technology, technological ability to stay ahead of live action and information that sharp gamblers do have. So, right. um, you know, in my experience over the last few years in the regulated market here, uh, NBA took the most action, and that's because there's a lot of scoring, a lot of changes in score, a lot of runs in the NBA. And what you'll end up with is, is sharp guys have got, you know, three or four positions on the same game by the time it's said and done, guaranteeing themselves profit. So, you know, if you're in a position such as as Nick and the folks at PointsBet are, where you do have a quality live betting product that you can keep up and not get taken advantage of, that is key. But I would say that many operators have have an issue when it comes to NBA live betting of um, experienced smart players uh, taking advantage of their lines. Um, I do think <clears throat> that's on more on the main things such as totals and spreads. When you get into the micro betting, um, you know. Is the next shot going to be a two-point or a three-point shot? Will there be a foul in the next two minutes? Whatever. Um, that's that's more for the recreational gambler because, frankly, the sharp folks probably aren't going to coin flip on those things. So the more that you can offer live um, for the recreational gambler in uh, in so much as as these micro betting markets, that is that is definitely the future. Um, we've seen that shift coming for a long time now, and. And to the point, you know, uh, I know we're talking NBA a bit, but when you talked about the the NHL in the uh, in the uh, Substack today, it's it's more of this real time information will lead to real time micro betting, and and that's more for recreational players for sure. Yeah, yeah and, and and I I hate to agree with Chris, but he he's, he's <laughs> right. I, I you know when when talking about 
kind of we call them lightning bets. Lightning bets do cater a little bit more, or we we believe those recreational users that experience lightning bets will be more likely to uh, engage um, more frequently now when it comes to the the kind of live odds of a specific match. Uh, Chris is right, right? This is where sharps are really looking at picking off slow lines. And that's something that all operators have to be very, very aware of. Yeah, and listen, that's why we have you guys on the show. You're much smarter than I am, so I I, I lean on your expertise, and I and uh, both of you are n- never shy about correcting me, which is uh, to the the benefit of the of the audience and or uh, or correcting or correcting each other, Steve. I, I love when Chris calls me out, man. It, it brings me it means that there's more than just my wife who likes to call me out on my bullshit. I love it. <laughs> A word from our sponsor. The Gaming News Canada Show is presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt, LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit osler.com slash gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R dot com forward slash gaming. Now back to the show. Chris referenced uh, Sport Radar announced uh, earlier this week, uh, uh, I think, an extension of their existing partnership with BetMGM to provide more NBA markets this season. And I think, Nick, you or Chris mentioned, uh, you know, whether or not the first basket's going to be a two-pointer or a three-pointer. The, the, those are kinds of new markets are being uh, offered. And then uh, we dedicated a section of the newsletter this morning to, uh, to Sports Interaction, which is uh, launching its locker room uh, watch and bet show inside the app and and on their website this evening with uh, with the Thursday night football game between the Bills and the and the Buccaneers. So uh, again, you know, I just you know, sports books the, the innovation and, and constantly looking for ways to uh, to provide added value to the to the the customers and and drive uh, drive more business. And uh, again, it's a, it's an exciting time for the industry. Hey Nick, I want to go back to uh, to, to Brooke and just you know what what her mandate will be, and and is this a case where uh, you know will Brooke have the opportunity to to build a team and, and add more employees at PointsBet, or or will she be really really focused on product and working with the exist, existing team? Uh, I mean both. Um, Brooke is, uh, uh, and I and I do know Brooke will be listening, so no no pressure, Brooke. Um, no, Brooke has been given Brooke has been given a mandate to own our casino product, our casino strategy, which also feeds into our marketing. Um, you know, we have a pretty we we don't have a massive team, but we have a pretty big team, and I would I would say we have an exceptional team, and we work as one. So, you know, w- while Brooke is is you know being given a mandate to lead, she's not alone in this, right? So, yes, she will be. We will be bringing on. Uh, folks to join our team. Um, but ultimately, you know, we very much believe in an unsiloed approach to running business. You know, when we think about our user, we don't just think about a sports a sports user independently right. of a casino user, right? We are very focused on what we call internally a single player view. Um, ultimately, um, which which means when it comes to promotion strategy, marketing strategy, product strategy, everything really does have to have a light on kind of both of those core products in our, you know, our, our, on our iGaming platform. Um, you know, at, at, 
you know, the, the, the reality is, as you know, we've talked about, um, our U.S. business was acquired by Fanatics. And along with that went uh, people. Right. So, you know, yes, we had an amazing we have an amazing Canadian team and it's going to continue to grow. Um, some of our experienced um, casino teammates um, went with Fanatics. So we were in a position where and uh, and as some of your listeners may or may not know in Australia, which is the other uh, territory where points bet is currently live, um, there is no online casino. Um, Australia has horse racing, or as I like to call them, the horsies, yep. and we have online casino. So ultimately, we needed um, somebody to come on with um, with a level of expertise, relationships, um, and, and knowledge, uh, and, and candidly leadership acumen to come in, join our team, and really help to drive our Canadian casino product uh, forward. And I mean, we are beyond ecstatic. Um, that Brooks, Brooks first day was Monday. She's actually coming into town next week, uh, for, for her first, first visit with everybody. And man, we are all just so excited to welcome her here. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, well, well, I'm sure Nick, you'll help us. You and Pat Eichner help us get Brooke on the, on the show at, uh, at some point. And it'd be, it'd be great to hear from her. Um, I, I would think too, Nick, just given her experience in the industry, I mean, coming from Bally's, uh, having had her own consulting business, working for BCLC, uh, she's going to bring, um, you know, it, it just goes beyond being an expert in casino. I'm sure Brooke brings a lot in, in other areas like compliance and, and uh, KYC and responsible gambling. And, and it's just, I would think, a great addition having someone with her background. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, I mean, we had, we had a, a lot of incredible applicants and it felt really, you know, it, it was, it was, it was not, it was not, um, uh, it was not an easy decision until we really started getting into the deep conversations with Brooke. And I think you hit the nail on the head. What was really exciting about her um, her mindset, regardless of her experience at Bally BCLC, um, her relationships with a lot of the vendors within the casino industry, because as you you know as you can appreciate, all operators uh, pretty much are reliant on content that um we license we partner with other you know vendors to 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 get and serve up to our customers so brooke comes with a a very deep um a new network that we're going to be able to really uh you know uh, leverage but her her focus on compliance and rg her understanding of kyc i mean it was i mean it is so vital for us in this day and age in Ontario, being the first regulated province in Canada, as we all know, to make sure that those, you know, th that those elements have to stay at the top of top of mind and top of our list. Yes, we're trying to we're always trying to focus on on growing our com the commercial side of our business. But, you know, the compliance side is equally as important because we would like very much to see the successful Ontario model spread across the country. And I think there's no better way to do that than to really highlight um, the compliance and security that operators in Ontario are able to provide iGaming users. Yeah. And we, we did, uh, we did catch up and led the news out with this morning, Nick, uh, we had a conversation with Natalie Bergeron from the Quebec online gaming coalition this week. And, and just again, the efforts by Natalie and the group there to, to push, uh, a regulated model being ad adopted in Quebec and, and um, 
Uh, we actually are writing for the BNM Bloomberg Business and Sports Vertical next week, just on the, the landscape in Canada right now and what, what's going on in, in Alberta and in Quebec and kind of riffing off the, the latest iGaming Ontario report. Um, Chris, just on the online casino piece, I mean, we're, you know, we're probably a bit guilty of it just because of our professional backgrounds, but sports betting is always seems to be the shiny, the, the shiny object when we talk about this, this industry. Um, yet as we saw in the latest IGO report, I mean, online casino was really driving, driving the business for a lot of these operators. I mean, is it a case where we're, you know, people like me are just kind of blinded by the, the sports betting piece, or, or do you think, uh, you know, online casino is that uh, a dirty little secrets? Not is is a horrible way to put it, but that you know, online casino is always going to take a bit of a backseat, even though it's such an integral part of the business. Well, I suppose from a, a sexiness point of view, yes, uh, especially yeah. when you're talking the online piece, the sports betting gets a, a whole lot more attention um you know you were just in las vegas so depends where you are right if you're in las vegas everything is casino 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 and the sports books are tucked away a little bit um so you know it's it's two different animals right if i put a bet on the toronto maple leafs game tonight i'm one time uh for the most part unless i start micro betting uh or live betting one one bet uh and it lasts me three hours the casino one bet might last me 30 seconds so there's, there's two different things at play. And when you see the turnover numbers, you know, so drastically skewed to casino, it's because, well, I can, with $100, I can bet $100 on a hockey game. With $100, I can technically bet five, ten, fifteen thousand 15000 with one $100. And that's how it's, um, you know, tracked as turnover. So there's different things to consider when you look at that. At the end of the day, it's the the gross gaming revenue that that really matters. And again, that's it's heavily skewed toward casino. Um, so from an operator perspective, you know, since the dawn of, of platforms that can offer sports and casino, um, you get in the door with sports and then you, then you cross sell them to casino. That's, that's been the, the basic strategy. And I think um, that might not be something that's, that's generally known in the public, but, you know, you cannot control as an operator your um, revenue from sports betting, right? Because it's humans, uh, there's, there's lots right. of variables. When it comes to casino, especially slot machines, they are programmed to give you back 96, 97% um, to the player, and then and then you pocket the rest. So you can, when you do your budgets um, as an operator, you, you can say, I'm going to make X percent on the casino this year, and you can plan for that. So, you know, just from a controls perspective, um, leaning into the casino and, and the guarantees that come from that are, are certainly um, much more palatable than sports betting. Nick, anything to add to that? No. Chris, uh, Chris, Chris, Chris nailed it, as he usually does. Yeah. Hey, listen, I want to get uh, Brent Feldman in here. And I don't know if you, uh, listeners have had a, uh, no brand or have had a chance to meet him, but Brent and I go back to my days at Yahoo. Um, he's the uh, senior managing partner of American Group Management. And if you've seen a, a Olympic or Paralympic athlete from North America involved in endorsements or especially as broadcasters over the past uh, 15 years, uh, chances are that Brent's the person who's worked with that athlete to to get them that op- opportunity, and and uh, Brent's someone who certainly because he represents athletes is fo- following the sports betting industry uh, 
uh, more closely these days with the overturning of PASPA and what's going on here in Canada. Brent, you've got a question for, for, for us or, or a comment? Yeah, I do. Um, I guess I guess the, the first question I have for you guys is for the overall female sports landscape, obviously WNBA, NWSL, the upcoming PWHL, um, what, what's, what, what does the handle look like kind of on a, I, I don't want to say quarterly, but maybe I need to look at as at a yearly for women's sports in general. I guess that's kind of my first question. And then the second one is, is really different. Um, the NFL is allowing, um, NFL logos now to be on slot machines in Vegas. I, th- I think I saw that a couple months ago. Um, has, have those machines done better or worse, or, or you really won't know that for a year. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks, Brent. Great questions. Hey, Nick, you want to kick that off? Uh, sure. So I think the first question in relation to the handle on women's sport. So um, the handle on women's sport is not as high as men's sports. I think that's that's fairly uh, it's fairly um, obvious or fairly well known. Um, I, I from from I can only speak really from a points bet perspective. I will say that the handle that we're seeing on WNBA is definitely growing uh it's still not massive uh but growing um i think that in 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 noting some of the other sports we'll use pwhl as an example i mean ultimately the most important thing that 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 people need to understand around betting is it's it's not like uh if you build it they will come right just because a sport is on television doesn't necessarily mean that people can bet on it uh we live in we live and breathe by our data and if these pro leagues don't have a partnership or relationship with one of the major data providers that is already integrated into an operator's platform, an operator will likely not be able to offer um, those markets because ultimately our trading models are driven by that data and or the trading uh, models of the companies, the third parties that some operators license to handle their book also needs that data. Um, so, you know, I think that when we think about women's sport, I think that it's not, it's not a, it's not a simple answer. Um, but the thing that excites me the most about women's sport is the fact that we're starting to see an increase in that WNBA handle. And, um, I think that the, the, the growing leagues are starting to understand not only the importance of obviously driving brand and building uh, compelling content, creating strong story, uh, but in really the kind of the pipes and the plumbing of what an operator needs to be able to offer markets. Because as we, I think we all agree, accept, acknowledge gambling, um, fantasy sports, they are engagement tools. They help grow audience. They help keep audiences loyal. Um, and they keep audiences engaged. So I, I think that it behooves the entire industry to really make sure that that um, that those kind of more boring technical realities also are top of mind when kind of building and growing new sport. I don't so know, Nick, Chris. So Nick, I'll, I'll I'll give you this because I have I have three girls that are signed to the PWHL right now, and three that have to make teams. Um, it's in the CBA. There's data collection. There's all of that sort of stuff that you're going to ultimately need. It's all in the CBA. I don't know who they're going to ultimately use as their data collection. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Major League Baseball does, but obviously with Stan Caston being in charge, um, ultimately, I mean, I, I imagine whatever whatever MLB uses is what 
they're probably going to look for for this. So I think you're going to at least I know the data will exist. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave with that. Maybe you can tell me about the NFL uh, gaming machines. Yeah, no, and, and I'll just just to make it even more clear, like from a data perspective, it can exist. But if one of the major sports, uh, if one of the major sports data companies does not um, collaborate with them or ingest that data to power APIs that an operator is able to easily integrate, it becomes a challenge. So I, my fingers are crossed the PWHL is uh, checking all those boxes. So I'm excited to learn more. Um, and as far as, you know, candidly, as far as the NFL and the slot machine goes, I actually don't, I wouldn't know. Um, we don't really, we don't do any brick and mortar uh, slot casino games, but I will say, um, I think most people would uh, imagine that um, the NFL IP um, or the IP, you know, related to, to NFL properties integrated into slot machines would have a net positive impact. Um, the reason why I would say that is if you walk a Vegas floor, some of the most popular slot games are those tied to kind of uh, entertainment IP. Um, so I can't imagine there would be any difference between, you know, a walking dead slot machine and an NFL, um, you know, an NFL slot machine. So yeah. that's just my take. Chris, Chris probably knows way more about this than I. Well, you know, I uh, when I was in Vegas uh, at the at the show, there was a huge section of, and it had exactly that it was NFL branded slot machines. And personally, I hadn't seen them before. I hadn't been to Vegas for about a year. And um, listen, I was I was intrigued and engaged. Uh, and I even thought to myself, "Wow, I'm, I'm I was actually surprised. I mean, not surprised because the NFL is going to sell what they can to make money, but I just hadn't seen it in that light before. And and the fact that the league is is you know going so far into um, leaning into g gambling and gambling revenue. I thought they looked great. I thought that it's my belief, and I don't have data to back this up. Sports fans, sports bettors, uh, the, the, the general male NFL fan, if you will, is probably more likely to play table games. Um, but you would grab my attention. And the reason I say this is because I'm the demographic. Um, I, I ha it had my attention and depending on the, the mechanics that came with the slot machine, you know, do you get a, uh, I don't even know, is there like a video game aspect to it? Cause they had big screens as well. Not just the IP, they had big, you know, full motion HD screens in them. Um, I, I, I think yes, we'll have to wait and see how it goes, but I, I would be surprised if they don't do very well. And back to yeah. the to the piece on the on the uh, on the women's sports, and I think Nick hit the nail on the head. And, and it's not just women's sports; it's sports like curling, it's sports like um, cricket here in North America. Because we don't have the the global data providers, it's really hard to offer proper betting. And then, you know, is it a chicken or an egg thing? You know, certainly betting will increase interest on on women's sports, but are companies going to invest before they see that interest and in ticket sales? You know. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs will play in front of 18,000, 19,000 every night. How many people do the Toronto women's team play in front of every night? So until these leagues can can gain, you know, just that general fan base, um, I think, you know, you, there's going to be a lot of companies asking, are, are we going to invest our, our money and time in this? Because the, the data collection and, and dissemination and, and deals are all um, very, very expensive. I can say from the NBA standpoint, I know they're tying a lot of their deals together. So if you want to get in on the NBA, you've also got to sign a deal for WNBA. Um, so, you know, if the NHL and, and the Women's League work together, um, I think that would be that would be certainly helpful in, in growing that side. 
Yeah, and I'll add, Chris, that uh, Brent and I had a conversation about this because I, I wrote about this for, for BNM Bloomberg uh, a few weeks ago. But I do, I, I've talked to a couple of operators who you know are, are interested in going down the partnership road with the PWHL out of the gate. But um, yeah, whether or not there's going to be that that trove of data, there's there's enough there for them to offer uh, offer action on on the league in the first year. Anyway, that that seems to be seems to be up in the air right now. And and brand with as far as the uh, the NFL slot machines go, I know aristocrat gaming uh, was pretty excited about it and they were they were proactively um reaching out to media to, to write about the games uh, at g2e and uh, i think they only i think they've only um those those machines have only been available since september so it's probably too early yet to see any kind of of numbers but i know last year you you basically they, they had the machines behind lock and key and you had to get a special invitation to to look at them where where this year the aristocrat gaming they were quite proudly um showing off showing off those machines on the floor at, at g2e so hopefully hopefully those answers are uh satisfy you no that's that's great i mean ultimately ultimately everything you said nick about awareness and visibility and all that i actually brought i was at ces two years ago two three years ago and i, and I was having this conversation with zach leonsis because the PWHPA, which was the which was the former entity that the women's national team players played in, were going to be playing in Washington, and I had noticed what the Wizards were doing on NBC Sports Washington with gaming going on, and trying to get with Zach at the time to say, "Hey, what could we do as even free to play with the PWHPA in Washington when those games are going to be on NBC Sports Washington?" So, like the awareness play to me, I've I've seen it for years, and and and. Trust me, I, I can say that with the Golden Knights and the Capitals right now, I'm very, uh, very much studying what they're doing with their local rights deals. And in Zach's case, obviously, they're all in with gaming in Washington. Um, and but 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 Vegas, though, the, the gentleman who, um, in a sense, runs the the new version of the RSN, his name is Rick Allen with a company called ViewLift. Well, Leonsis is a partner in his company also. So, so, so seeing what Vegas and the Capitals are doing, a little, the little variations, Leonsis will have an idea of what's working better, um, the, the DC strategy or the Washington strategy. So anyway, thanks a lot, guys. Great. Thanks, Brent. Great, uh, great stuff. Hey, Nick, uh, you know, just to wrap, wrap that up. I mean, you, you've had some experience with that. So points back with the curling Canada deal. And again, this goes back to you and I talking more than, I guess, two years ago now about that, uh, the curling Canada deal, that that was going to be a work in progress because there was an issue with data. Yeah. And, and, you know, things take a lot of time right now, ultimately from a curling perspective, you know, I think we we really focused our strategy around leveraging that partnership around brand awareness, building, you know, helping to helping to evolve the sport and really, you know, leveraging uh, the incredible events, their incredible media partnerships and the great curling community to get the points bet name out there. Now, curling betting it has always been a part of our of our thesis, of our strategy, but we knew that that was going to take time. Right. Because it's not us. It's not really it's not. And it's not just curling Canada. So ultimately, I think that um, and, I, and, and candidly, I think the Grand Slam of curling uh, deals with similar issues. And I'm sure, you know, Chris can can speak to that based on, you know, his his level of experience with 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 them and, 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 and his own experiences with curling. But ultimately to, you know, 
to what Chris was talking about earlier, like it's not a it's not a an inexpensive proposition, right? Um, there there needs to be the you know it's not just about the hope of growing a gambling audience. It's around the the cost of actually being able to because it, it it costs a lot of money to capture the type of data that operators uh, ultimately need. Right? We're talking about people. Um, in venue, we're talking about uh, deep technology, um, uh, you know, integrations um, and, and builds like actual physical hardware. So it's it's not it's not an easy process. And and the big global data companies, they ultimately they're driven by a bottom line. If if they don't have um, uh, kind of financial guarantees, it's very difficult to invest in. Um, a sport, we'll use Curling Canada as an example. I, I think that, and, and, you know, I think it makes sense that there have been challenges finding a major global data company to invest because ultimately Curling Canada um, and the Curling Canada events really entertain Canadians more than anybody else. So it's that global footprint, that global opportunity that I know gets the major data companies excited. So that's where, when it comes to a sport like curling, I think that the global growth, which we all know is is starting, um, you know, we're seeing major strides, especially in Asia and Japan, Korea, and China. I, I think we're gonna we're starting to see some really great young American curling teams. Not to mention some older guys who are getting into uh, the sport of curling in, in the states, um, who 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 have uh, who are who are pretty exciting to watch. Um, but ultimately, I think that as we start seeing the global growth, I think the the bigger data companies are going to start paying closer attention, and we're going to start seeing um, growth in that sport. But I mean, I think from what Brant was talking about from the PWHL, I, I mean, I'm very bullish on on what that sport. Um, will do. My hope is that the big data companies see it as a global sport and not just a Canadian or a kind of a Northeastern sport, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Steve, if I could, if I could just put one more thought on that. Okay. I'll shut up. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, go ahead. Go ahead, Brent. You're the guest. Go ahead. Okay. So, so here's what my, so Nick, I'll ask you this and, and, and it goes back to this. So I work with Jennifer Jones solely. Her team is represented by a different entity. What can the players do to try and help push this message along of what they need their sport to do? Because ultimately, the players may have the ability to help with this, but they don't even know what to do because they don't know what the roadmap is. So if if there was a roadmap, I don't mind saying, Jen, hey, I listened to this great gaming uh, podcast today and and this, this was some of the ideas because the players want to evolve the sport as well. They need help and the guidance also. So Brent, I mean, I love Jen, Jennifer. She won the first points by invitational. Her and Brent are awesome. Like I, I, I love her. And you know, the reality is, you know, I've spent the last couple of years really um, getting to know a lot of the curlers. You know, we partner with a couple teams. Obviously, not with Jennifer, but you know, we we were we're partnered with with Team Anderson and and, and Botch's team, and before that, you know, Kevin Cooey's team. Ultimately, this is a very big conversation. I agree with you more than you ever can imagine. So my suggestion is instead of boring everybody on Steve's show, let's connect because um, I think what you said is 100% true. And ultimately, um, there's a lot of work to be done. But I think I think what um, I think the sport needs many, many more vocal champions of it. Put it that way, because it's a it's a sport that hasn't evolved and changed in a long time. 
I think there's a lot of excited people around it, a lot of motivated people. And I think it's about trying to find a rallying point and then just committing and going. So yeah, I, I, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, Chris, I'm going to give the, uh, give the last word to you before we wrap up. Well, I think this is a really interesting topic. And, um, one of the things that, that is important to note, I think everybody on this call is, is very interested in pushing sports forward, right. And growing, you know, growing these sports, but the, the, you know, got to look at the operator side as well. And from a uh, women's sport, whether it be the WNBA, uh, women's hockey, um, curling, both male and female, uh, Olympic sports, even if you're going to offer Olympic sports on your sports book, these are events that have um, a finite number of events and a finite number of people who really understand them um, and a finite number of data uh, when it comes to, to what's available. So the nefarious side of our industry leaves these uh, events to be open for um, exposed for, for big losses for the sports book, right? Because if the only people betting into these events are people who know the sports better than the sports books do themselves because the traders don't have the data available, then it leaves uh, sports book heads open to, to losses. And therefore they're, they're not ready to offer um, these events. If, if it's going to be, uh, a losing proposition because again they're they're in it to make money and I'll use the WNBA for an example that is growing it's growing in interest but a, a, one reason that it's growing in interest among gamblers is because the other markets the NFL the NBA are so uh, heavily bet into that there's not a lot of wiggle room for the sharp gamblers so they're looking for sports on the fringe that they can take advantage of so that's another thing to consider it's not always about hey this is a great sport we should offer odds on it. Um, there's a, a major risk management uh, consideration on the side of the operator as well. Great stuff, uh, Chris, Nick, and and Brant. Uh, I want to wrap up the show. Uh, Amanda Brewer got tied up in a Canadian Gaming Association board meeting, so she did text me to say that the meeting was running running long and she wouldn't be able to join us. But uh, if you read the newsletter this morning, you you uh, you saw that, or you may, may have seen on LinkedIn yesterday that Amanda's left. Uh, Kindred Group after a two-year run, um, kind of stirring the the Unibet brand here in Ontario. So, uh, as Chris and uh, and Nick and and certainly Mark Silver and Mike Dare are well aware of, uh, a man has been just an incredible resource to uh, to me and and this uh, this podcast and and our newsletter. Uh, really going back to uh, February 2021 when we started the, started the newsletter, the parlay back then. And covering this industry and um, people like her and, and Paul Burns were just great resources back then. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to Amanda next week. Um, but uh, I think, as we said with you, Chris, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when, you know, when you became a, a free agent, um, I don't, I don't make, uh, I don't make Amanda be on the sidelines for, for very long. And, and we certainly uh, wish her well with what comes next for her. Uh, that wraps up the Gaming News Canada show for this week. This show will come out as a podcast on Monday morning um, on GamingNewsCanada.ca and also the various podcast platforms. Uh, thanks so much again to Jason Angelitis from, from Epoxy.ai. Uh, Chris Abbott, as always. Nick Salski, always great to have you bring your voice. And, and uh, again, congratulations on on everything going on with, uh, with the Brooke Hilton hiring and, and uh uh, the quarterly results for points bet uh, this week. Uh, Brand Feldman, nice to finally get you on the show. You'll have to come back again and 
and uh, maybe maybe we'll actually we'll record your conversation with Nick, and we can run that as a separate podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody. Please enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, be safe out there, and uh, we look forward to seeing everybody again in seven days' time. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.